Thank you again for joining us uh, for today's Friday Gallery Talk, and welcome to anyone who's just joining us. Today we are very lucky to have the artist Dan Steinhilber with us to discuss his work, Untitled. Dan is known for using commonplace materials in his artwork, such as balloons, light bulbs, trash bags, and as we see in Untitled, paper-clad wire hangers. We're thrilled to have his work in our permanent collection and to be able to include it in our exhibition on um, collage and assemblage over under next. Dan's work has been shown in, at uh, Art Basel in Miami, the Baltimore Museum of Art, the Krieger Museum, the Museum of Contemporary Art in North Adams, Massachusetts, and the Socrates Sculpture Park in Queens, in addition to the Hirshhorn and many galleries. Please help me to welcome Dan Steinhelber. Uh, thanks a lot for uh, coming. Um, I'm amazed how many people are here. This is great. Um, it's a real honor to be a part of uh, this show that Evelyn uh, curated and over under next. And it's an honor for me to have my sculpture in the Hirshhorn, uh, this hangar sculpture here. Um, I guess what I wanted to do was talk a little bit about some of the work that was right before this piece, because this piece was uh, 2002. And, um, you know, I've only out of graduate school just like a few months or something when I made this and in my very first uh, studio after I had my MFA and uh, so I just I'm trying to think like oh, why did I why did I so much has happened in like 10 years you know and um, what was I do thinking about when I made this and um, you know trying to figure out where I was coming from so I was trying I was thinking the best way to do that is to kind of go back just like a little bit maybe the four years or so before, and just think about what I was doing. And, and uh, so I was just thinking about that. And um, in 2000, I started graduate school here, but uh, I moved here from California, and I had lived in California for about four years. When I was out there, I was um, working in uh, this very rural area, uh, in the is right on the edge of a wilderness area. And I, I moved out there and I was really enjoying, well, since I was born in Wisconsin, um, and it was very cold there, and I was indoors all the time, being in California was fantastic because even in the winter times, it would be sunny and I could be outside and I could, and uh, it's less depressing when you have the sun on you all the time like it was when I was in Wisconsin. But anyways, what I would, was doing was, um, trying to figure out how I could do paintings and, um, and have them be in a relationship with the uh, natural surroundings. So I, I could step outside of my house and there was a river and there was um, a big uh, cliff of rocks right there and there was all these trees, there was palm trees. I could drive like an hour and I'd be at the ocean. And uh, I had like a real lame job as a substitute teacher in the schools. But uh, as soon as I was done at three o'clock, like every day, I was like a full-time artist until midnight or what, you know, and I, my studio was my garage. But I was making these paintings and um, by painting these monochrome paintings on panels of wood and plastic. And I was responding to this environment that I was in, you know, and it was just it was pretty romantic uh, to be like outdoors making art, like a plein air painter. And then also have a, uh very physical way of um, interacting with the art and the thing that uh, it was representing at the same time. So I was also um, really enjoying the materiality of the paint and the objecthood of these, uh, these uh, monochromes. And I, I, I just 
made them basically for myself. I wasn't really involved in, I wasn't in a city, so I wasn't involved with the exhibition space. I was just involved with uh, this outdoor romantic uh, engagement with paintings as objects and trying to figure out how to uh, go into an installation with uh, those things. And uh, then in 2000, and I just documented them in, uh, you know, photography and took them down. And it, um, there was all kinds of problems with them, like the bugs would stick to the paint because I had to use oil paint to get the very specific colors that I was trying to get, you know, along like a log that was rotted and I would make all these um, colors. And um, anyways, uh, then I moved to uh, DC and went to school. All of a sudden now I'm in this urban environment and um, in this uh, context of, um, okay, the goal here is to uh, develop the work further and think about sharing it with other people in exhibition spaces, uh, my colleagues, et cetera, like that. And I started sh having these opportunities to exhibit in these um, interior spaces. That's where the, uh, the conversation about contemporary art is, is in the galleries, in the interior spaces. And um, what am I going to do? What am, what am I? How am I going to change? You know. And so I started looking at my environment and finding um, the things that were around me. And, and how am I going to? You know. Like uh, for example, I did um, this piece with um, plastic to-go containers, which was a material that I just saw myself using, um, like getting a sandwich from a deli at lunchtime or whatever, and bringing it back to my studio. And now it's in my studio, and it's got an opportunity to come into my work a little bit and I would fill uh, water, make watercolors, put them inside these uh, plastic containers and stack them up across a space. Or um, other materials, I started looking in culture in that, that, that we use as consumers and that we use as, uh, you know, this idea that we're coming to an, a gallery or an exhibition and we're, we're sort of consumers of uh, the artwork and trying to make that connection about um, you know, people and also getting some of the things that I, I wanted to get from the painting, which is um, I wasn't drawing in my painting, but I was just using the color and the object of the, uh, the water. A variety of different um, objects I started using. Um, one, an example was the um, a variety of objects I started using and filling them with liquids. And making, I kind of made a lot of a big series of um, uh, wet sculptures. I guess is maybe what I might call them now, and where I put uh, liquids into some sort of container. And um, I mentioned the to-go containers, but there was also plastic tubing and um, uh, just a variety of different things. And uh, one in particular that I'm thinking of was. Uh, uh, the sheet protectors um, that, you, like, if you're going to put all your pieces of paper in a three-ring binder, I would clip the sheet protectors together, like maybe about uh, 75 of them, and but with no hard cover. And then I would I would just pour the watercolor mixtures that I made inside the pages of the sheet protector, and um, slowly fill each one more and more and more and more until there would be like an inch of water in the bottom of each one. And then I could add a little more and fill it all the way till it was the top and they'd all be full and support each other. And it was a satisfying sculptural energy that actually was lifting itself up.
and I could add color to those items and display them, say outside, make a, um, a series of them so that you could experience those paint wet objects that um, they were contained and they were separate, but they were also some that you could, that made you move in an actual physical space and it resonated with that space. So uh, then I, I had a show, um, a group show in New York City. It was my first time being, having a group show in New York City. And I did one of these pieces. It was uh, the first show at Lux Gallery. And uh, I was very excited. And um, I, I, I thought, what am I gonna do here? This has gotta be great. This is, you know, the curator asked me to be in the show. And uh, this is gonna be my big moment. And this was uh, the piece that, at the time, I was the most excited about. I, I put uh, a series of these things on the wall, um, instead of like all the way around with the um, sheet protectors, I just put like a half circle. So if, if you got your wall right here, that, they would fan out like this. So it would be like this big wet object, you know, three nails, and fill it with uh, water, and I, you know, I'm in this beautiful, brand new white gallery, and uh, I went up to New York. The entire show was already installed, and uh, except for my piece, because I, I was the out-of-towner, I guess, and running a little bit behind. And uh, so they let me in the gallery just as they were closing and said, well, here's the key, you know, just when you're done, you know, lock the door and go. And so I, oh, this is gonna be a late night. And it was, and I, I got all the way to, you know, 11.30 midnight, and just about done filling up all the water, and I'm on my last uh, one, and, uh, and there was, I think, a stack of six of these things, and um, started, started sliding, like moving a little bit, and then instant, and I'm on a ladder too, and one of them went, it's like a huge waterfall, because the drywall got a little water on it, which got soft, which made the anchor fall out, and boom, like, I think there was four of them up there and two of them fell down. And it's a lot of water, it's like 10 gallons of water or something like that. Boom, fell down and just flooded like this whole area and the river started like going over under the wall and into the other room of the gallery. And then I found out that there was even like the gallery below the next morning was asking like, did you guys overflood your toilet or something like that? So I had to call the gallerist, wake him up, wake her up. She had to come, we had to mop, mop up all this water. It was just like such a nightmare. And, um, and then everything was, seemed to be fine when they had the opening, everything was dried out and there was just the four pieces that were left up and they fixed the wall. So I just left the four up high. And it was like this, uh, it was kind of a white color, but just a little bit of pink was uh, in there. It was just a certain pink that I was trying to represent a sunset, you know, like a sunset up on the wall in these uh, sheet protectors. Anyways, um, <clears throat> by the end of the exhibit, um, I got a call from uh, Jonathan Binstock, who was the curator at the Corcoran Museum at that time, and somebody that I had set up a relationship with and hoped to someday uh, work with him on a project, right? And he said, hey, Dan, uh, I was up in New York. I saw the ex exhibition that you're in at the gallery, and, you know, 
and it's a great show, um, but he told me that my piece looked terrible. It was molding, and there was like black gooey things, like this gallery had awesome windows, awesome light, and algae started to grow in my piece, and it didn't have this ethereal, beautiful look anymore. It, it was kind of disgusting, and <laughs> this is, you know, and so that was like the last time that I did that piece, but I remember that feeling of like, man, I just so blew it, you know, I so blew it with this uh, thing, and I'm and while I was in um, graduate school, I, I worked, I lived in uh, a house of um, a 96-year-old lady um, and with my wife, and, um, and uh, we rented one room there. And what we did in exchange was um, did their cooking and went grocery shopping. It also, there was also the daughter and the grandson lived in the house, too. It was a very wealthy uh, family. And um, so as the, uh, we kind of, and, and we kind of took care of just this piddly things that they needed, you know. And it was a great situation because it was close to the studio. And uh, one thing that, uh, we, that, that I did for them was take their uh, dry cleaning. This lady had like very nice clothes and so we'd go back and forth to the dry cleaning. And um, I remember there was a grocery cart in the backyard that had a lot of extra um, coat hangers in it. And I also remember using the coat hangers myself the dry cleaning coat hangers because we had to take them off of those and put them on these like velvet nice ones that she had all her beautiful dresses and stuff and I remember using those coat hangers and some at I, I think it was sometime I was taking out the trash in the back after cooking the meal and everything and I saw some of those coat hangers and I just took some of those and said I'm gonna take these to my studio um, and I remember just being, having those in my studio and kind of hooking them on the ceiling and thinking about um, what can I, what can I, what are the things that I really need in these um, paint objects that I've been making um, that I could still get without the, uh, that tension that I was feeling with the, the, the wet pieces that I was making and um, and I, I started to make a series of pieces where I was just wanting to trust my uh, instincts with the material for its inherent properties for and not just the the objecthood of the liquid and the paint but the materials themselves what do they do how do I handle those materials or um, <clears throat> You know, what is the gesture that I do with those materials or, you know, and just slow way, way down and think about, think about, uh, I didn't study sculpture at all, but I'm wanting to uh, make a sculpture. So I'm just looking at the very similar, very, uh, this, this sort of uh, sculptural gestures, if you will, that I already have, you know, just from, life and trying to connect that with the studio so th you know this piece comes out of that just recognizing that oh yeah this is this is a sculptural uh activity that uh, we all we all do which is you know like we pick things up and we particularly the hanger and then hang them and it's kind of a gesture of wanting to be um buoyant wanting to be organized wanting things to be uh um in order, you know, 
um, or it's, it's, it's a gesture against uh, gravity, really, you know? It's something that we fight all the time with our bodies and our skeletons. It's like, um, and so what I did was I just, in order to objectify that um, motion, that sculptural motion, which I wanted to be able to trust is uh, just by repeating it over and over. And I remember just slowly looking at it and saying, yeah, this is still visual because the light would come in through my window and uh, one uh, plane would be turned a little different than another one. And I could kind of squint my eyes at it and be like, oh yeah, that's like a different uh, shade of gray there. That's kind of like uh, what I, I was interested in when I was uh, making paintings, you know? It's like, it has like a visual kind of quality and it's, it's like in a painting space because it's, uh, it's sort of buoyant. It's almost like pretending that there's no, no gravity. And then I brought, I, I, I remember stringing them down and I brought it all the way to the ground and I thought, oh, now it's standing like a sculpture does. You know, there's, you can kind of imagine that it's just standing there, even though it's, hang, you know, it's hanging. And uh, here it's hanging from these um, cylinders that are, I like to think of them as like closet rods, you know, rather than a, maybe a canvas and paint, it's closet rods and hangers. Um, it's not a painting, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's, um, it has this kind of sadness to it though, I think, in that all, the, what it's reflecting is, uh, you know, in one way is the, the context of the interior spaces that we put ourselves in and that we frame our artwork. It's white, it's clean, it's antiseptic, you know? It's like, um, it's, um, you know, what's dry cleaning, that's what you do with dry cleaning is you don't want the, uh, you don't want the real world or the mess of the real world in it. And so, uh, but at the same time, I still, you can still cast your memory on this blank canvas of the uh, dry cleaning hanger I, and see, you know, um, something of nature, the way that nature has a way of um, twisting a structure, kind of uh, the way, you know, it's up to you what you want to see there, you know, birds taking off or the way water molecules organize themselves or fish swim in schools. Um, so. There's there's this, there's the loss you know of the 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 thing that's missing there. There's no color you know, but there's um, you know and but then there's relationships like Agnes Martin you know like uh, some of the the patient pieces that she has where she's like pounds a nail in a repetitive uh, manner or um, or Armand you know you, you you know this long history of um, collage and assemblage, um, or architecture, you know, the way that we organize our spaces. And so it's, I've gained that, uh, some things and lost some things with it. But, uh, um, what I did was, I've made a few different variations of the piece and, um, I've shown it, um, these different variations in Miami and in Canada and Utah and the first time I did it was in a, a gallery that doesn't exist anymore here in DC. It was called Signal 66. And, um, and then I showed it in <clears throat> this museum, first in the lobby and then for my directions exhibit in 2003. And then uh, <clears throat> we reinstalled it in the 
second floor, I think, which was a really nice uh, context with the Donald Judd on one side and the War Hall on the other side. And they had this amazing uh, juxtaposition, you know, the, the pop and the, um, the minimalism. And I think both of those things are pretty clear in this piece. Um, let's see, yeah, and then, um, and then it was uh, reinstalled, I guess, in the basement for a collection show, and then here. It's great that uh, they keep putting it back up. I'm very amazed, and it, it's uh, the the ephemerality that I was getting in some of those um, earlier pieces with the liquid watercolor um, was really something that I thought was special. Um, in that they had like a, a lifespan to it too. Um, and this piece, it's an installation, so it comes down and it goes back up. And it, it go, it, when it comes down, it just goes back into a box. And then there's a drawing that goes with it. Well, there's a few different drawings because they keep changing the drawing each time we install it. I'm trying to remember, okay, now, how, do, how, do, how does this uh, work? And how many inches away are the poles supposed to be? So it becomes a little, uh, it's, it's, it has a possibility of becoming like sterilized again because it's, it's uh, the first time I did it, it was just, I did it, you know? And then the second time you do it, and the third time you do it here, it's like, oh, you have to sort of, how did I do that? And there, there's a, I'm not really sure what to, how to feel about that exactly, but uh, it seems like it stays alive for me because I, um, uh, we have to rethink the space. Like here, for this space, the ceiling is a little lower, so I didn't want to, ch um, the piece changed. I actually cut, uh, I subtracted two of the poles from the top, and there's just less hangers to, to keep the, uh, you know, so that it got, so it stays the right ratio of width, width and depth and height. And, um, and it's important to me that uh, you know it's has you can walk around the piece and experience it with your body as you're walking and see the shifting of uh, positions of the um, elements there. Um, and uh, they did a great job reinstalling it. I'm really pleased. But uh, maybe there's uh, questions that I could answer from somebody. If anybody has one, yeah. Yeah, the, the materials I'm working with now, that's what the question was. What are the materials I'm working with now? Um, I'm doing a f figurative piece right now with um, uh, casting, life casting and wax. I'm also doing a um, sound sculpture um, that I started about a year ago and I'm, I'm still working on now where I'm using um, objects from all kinds of objects, the types of objects that uh, you have laying around in your basement or in your garage. And I'm uh, recording the sounds that they make and reconfiguring the sound um, into music. So I guess the material is music. Does anybody else have another question? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. When I lived in California, we had a nice, really nice garage, and uh, that was my studio. But um, 
Now I've always, the last 10 years, I've always had my own studio that I just rent. And uh, I have a studio right now. It's in DC, yep. Mm -hmm. You consider yourself an international artist, I'm sure, but you consider yourself more DC or New York artist? Well, I mean, I've had some international shows, like in Italy and Costa Rica and Canada, um, and other different states across the country. Um, so, I don't know, I don't really think about it, but just, yeah. You're a DC artist right I live here, so that makes me a DC artist, yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I don't recall ever having some touch with the mask. Oh, okay. I don't recall that. Is that a new one of your new films? The question was, um, did the uh, did this hanger sculpture always touch the floor? Because you don't remember that it touched the floor. Yeah. I don't recall that. Yeah. I, I was surprised mm -hmm. when I saw it again. Yeah. Yeah. Always. It always. Uh, did touch the floor. Um, the, I, when I made a hanger sculpture in Miami, it only touched the floor in one point, all the hangers, and then it spread out almost like a tornado. So it was really wide at top, and they all spiraled down into one point. So that, but that was still touching the floor. Yeah. Yeah, in this museum, it, it's always been on the floor like that. Um, it. Uh, I would say that the uh, the 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 bottom plane of hangers is angled that direction in the same direction that the light's coming from. So it, it jumps out at you. And um, that's maybe, so you, you, you see that. You know, it's, it's just the way that it's lit. If they were angled, if it would have ended up here, then you wouldn't notice that as much. I noticed that too when I came in, that, you know, cause, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a perception thing. Yeah, well, she, the question was uh, about the process of finding uh, the gesture that you want to use and then developing it into a final piece. Yeah. Um, well, when I had my direction show here, uh, that I had this piece and another piece um, was uh, these so bottles of soda that I mixed the colors. And another piece was the inflatable sculpture made out of trash bags. Um, for the, for the, soda, the, the piece with the soda bottles and the soda, I was mixing actual um, liquid soda with sugar and color and everything. and. And open, and the gesture for me was uh, opening those bottles, and um, that sound, you know, and pouring. So I would pour the the colors, the soda, one into the next, and make these um, specific mixtures. And then with the, uh, in, and also um, taking them on and off these display racks that they were installed in, and. Um, and then with this uh, trash bag sculpture that I had in that exhibit, the gesture, I think, was the um, putting air inside of a trash bag. And I, f I saw myself doing that with the trash bag, um, kind of fluffing it to put air inside of it, 
just before you put it into a garbage can, you know, if, if you can, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, and then tying those ties, those red ties at the end. So I use that, um, that ac action to create the, uh, this architectural inflatable piece. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, um, well, see, when I did this piece in the lobby for my direction show, I thought of it as site-specific um, in terms of the physical architecture because it came out of the coffer space. There's these coffers that are all up in the lobby, so we picked one of them from the center of the coffer and brought it down. There's no... Um, place to check your coat at that time in, in the lobby. So it was maybe humorous in a site-specific way. And then also um, just the anticipation of um, just the museum uh, control and cleanliness and all these kind of things and white wallness, you know, like I felt like that is re reverberating on the piece. But, um, I mean, here it's, I mean, those are the ways that it's site specific, I think. Yeah. The question was, um, boy, what what pieces, what material that you've worked with has been the most challenging? And I guess because it's on my mind right now, I would say the the from the show that I had at the Krieger Museum uh, this last fall, that was probably the most challenging because it involved um, the computer. And it involved technology, it involved sound recording, sound um, sound uh, composing, music composing, and a lot of electric wires, a lot of soldering of electric circuits, and all these um, everyday objects all mixed together. And um, there was a big learning curve to use the, the software for one thing and to figure that piece out. I mean, that it just took a long time. To do one piece, nine months, you know, that's all I did, really. Any other questions? Yeah? Uh, I realized that most of the time there's a personal story behind your findings. Um, is it necessary that I uh, she said, a lot of times there's a personal story behind so my, yeah. Right, does it need to be a, do you need to know a personal story behind, the, yeah. I, oh, I definitely you don't need to. Um, it might appear that way because I have a microphone and I'm telling you my stories, but uh, that's what you do when you talk to people is you tell them some kind of a story. And uh, um, I don't uh, uh, 
write it on, I don't put a wall text next to it. I, you know, this piece in particular is um, meant to be something that you can cast your imagination on or your, you know, it's, it's a fantasy. I mean, my closet doesn't look like this at all. It's more a utopia idea with this piece. If, so it's, you can cast your own, you know, your imagination onto it. That's basically what it is. You don't need to know the story. Thank you very much. Dave. That's it. Thanks.